You're listening to True Heart. Amy and Scott Mallon dive deep with celebrities, mavericks, visionaries, and real-life heroes to find out what sets their souls on fire. Here's Amy and Scott. Hey guys, welcome back to True Heart with Amy and Scott Mallon. Uh, we have an amazing, amazing episode for you today. Uh, don't forget so to check good. us out uh, and subscribe wherever podcasts are found. And you can also join us on YouTube for the full 360 experience. Yes, and follow us at We Are True Heart on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter if you want to keep up with all of the social impact work that we're doing. I am so hyped, which you could probably see. I can't stop smiling because today's guest was oh, like so, so amazing. Great. You're gonna I learn can't a lot. Wait. It's it's like a real like revelatory. Can I say that word? Yes, you uh, can. Experience like you'll just. You're I can't be wait like, wow, for you to like see this one conversation. Pearl of wisdom after another. Definitely not from me. Uh, maybe some from Amy, but uh, really our guest is is incredible and uh, one of those like really bright lights that's just so articulate and beautiful and just it's amazing. Yeah, and and Krishan, who you're gonna meet, our guest today, um, he kind of like flew into our lives in this magical way through um, our dear friend Barry Moskowitz, who we love so much, who puts together so these these beautiful luncheons with the purpose of just connecting people and cultivating community and friendships. And so um, we're grateful to Barry for bringing Krishan into our lives. But yeah. from the moment that we met Krishan, there was just something magical um, about him. And we know you're going to see it um, well, when the conversation starts. We started this lunch and we're just like eating and, you know, you meet a bunch of people you never met before. You have kind of super, it took about 30 seconds to like forget all the superficial shit and just like get into these super profound, deep, conversations about philosophy and just life and we're like this guy's definitely our speed so yeah um it was so refreshing and we're just really excited to share it with you today's episode is the spiritual concierge and we're so excited to welcome a new friend to the show chris sean is an artist creator designer writer and motivator with a fascinating life that takes him all over the globe after working in sales for fashion brands Ralph Lauren and Valentino, he created his own Christopher Sean line of luxury handcrafted bow ties. Beyonce wore one of Chris's bow ties during her Run the World Girls performance at the Oprah Winfrey Show's 25th anniversary finale showcase, and Little Kim, Fabulous, and Cal Penn have all rocked his designs. Recently, Saks Fifth Avenue hosted a Christopher Sean meet and greet and trunk show at their new Boston men's store. In addition to building his fashion brand, Chris Sean has begun delving into his life purpose work. Chris Sean is also a spiritual concierge who supports celebrities, entrepreneurs, and leaders on their journey of self-discovery as a means of self-recovery. So let's get into it with our fabulous conversation with Chris Sean. So Chris Sean, thank you for being with us here today on the True Heart Podcast. We had the pleasure of meeting you a few weeks ago from our mutual friend Barry at a beautiful luncheon. And immediately we were just really taken with you because you were someone who's so authentic 
And we just dived right in and had this really beautiful, spiritual, deep conversation, which we appreciated. And in the week since we've met you, we've actually been quoting your pearls of wisdom uh, to people in our lives who've really benefited from it. So we're just grateful to be seeing your smiling yeah, face. Yeah, now we want to kind of share some of your pearls with uh, everyone else the so, they can, so they can... Uh, and they can start putting it in practice in their own lives. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Firstly and foremost, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. It was an honor to meet you. And of course, our great mutual friend, he is just spectacular at what he does. And I was you know, happy to be invited to the lunch. And uh, it really seemed like it was more about the spiritual food than the physical food on the plate in front of us. And I'm glad that we had the opportunity to connect and and thank you so much for spreading those pearls. We're going to keep, you know, cracking those oysters open and making sure that, you know, people get them. Well, I appreciate that, but I do have to disagree with you on one respect. I uh, stuffed my face on bread and olive oil for that entire lunch, and that was pretty great. So the spiritual food was really good, but the actual physical food was also amazing. I was hoping you didn't out the fact that I was stuffing my face with bread too. But I mean, if something, if, if your friend comes forward, you know, you, you got like to can. You look like you can I handle it. <laughs> and it was great to connect with another plant-based person. Like the plant-based yeah. peeps of the world have to stick together. Yeah, I, so. over, I was like, lentil soup. Hello. I know. I like this guy. I know. Strong like bull. Yes. Yes. Vegans of the it's world unite. To- clean it up. We got to clean it up. Yeah. yeah. It's all about optimal self. That's what we're aiming for. It's not to be cute. This isn't a trend. Optimal yeah. self. That's yes. right. It's not a diet. This is a lifestyle. It, exactly. So and we're not a part of a cult. That's right. We're plant-based. We are plant-based. <laughs> exactly. Although, although speaking of cults, we, we did hear uh, a while back from, from someone who's not in our lives anymore when they found out that we were vegan. This was like, <laughs> 13 years ago told us that without without joking with a straight face that we pray to broccoli and so we must be brainwashed yes and they said no we're not praying to broccoli tofu brainwashed we're just deciding to be our best selves and be healthy and to care for animals and protect our planet but if that's the way that you want to see it when i started when i started like I would switch my diet. I, I, at the beginning, I was pretty aggro about it. And I was like telling everybody, and oh my God, mm-hmm. I feel so great. You got to do this. And I just didn't realize it just made people feel really uncomfortable. So now I just realized, hey, look, I do what I do. And like sometimes when you sit down and you're eating a meal with somebody and they're like, oh, you're, you're vegetarian or you're plant-based, whatever. And then they immediately go, oh, um, okay. Well, uh, I can get, you know, so, and I'm always just like, just get what you want. You know, this is just me. You do you. Mm -hmm. And it's way better that way. I don't want people like, I don't know. I think people have had this bad uh, impression of people who like switch their diet. They think they're going to try and convert you. And it's not about that. You know, it's just, Hey, if you want to know about it, I'll tell you. And if you don't like do your thing, that's cool. You see keyword was convert. And whenever anyone has a lifestyle that, you know, they're excited about or that they're committed to, what others tend to fear is that sort of backlash that they've experienced with other people where if they don't live a similar lifestyle, 
they feel an automatic rejection or a lack of acceptance. And they believe that when you say that this is what I do, that there's going to be some sort of judgment passed because unfortunately a lot of people experience that. So, you know, they, they're probably really believing that you're praying to broccoli. You know, I don't, I don't. <laughs> well, I do. <laughs> Amy doesn't. But I, as soon as I heard that, I was like, well, I, I like that idea. So I put a little shrine in my room with some broccoli <laughs> after a few days it started to smell, but I don't care. I just go there. <laughs> I mean, whatever makes you the best person you can be, because honestly, some it folks smelly, can... and that's okay. <laughs> but you know what? You can really apply what you're saying to anything like uh, political conversations, religious conversations, any kind of lifestyle. Like someone says something and then it's like, oh, everyone freezes like, oh, God, they're like this. So what do I need to do? And, you know, it's just everyone should just kind of be like, OK, it's OK. You know, I kind of go this way, you go that way, and we can all kind of coexist, and that's okay. I, I have found, Chris, that, and Scott actually pointed this out to me, because, you know, sometimes when you're really close to a situation, you can't see it for yourself, and, and it takes right. somebody else to say, hey, did you notice this? But I think you're aligned in the same uh, way of living. I cannot be anyone but myself at all times. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if I'm in a situation where I feel like people want me to um, put up a front and be something that I'm not to make them feel more comfortable, I get really uncomfortable. And I'm like as transparent as Saran Wrap. I am not a good liar. So if I'm not comfortable or feeling off, like you're going to know right away. And, you know, Scott pointed out to me um, a few months back, he said, you live your truth like so freely and passionately and beautifully that he said, I think there's actually some people in my family who are uncomfortable with that because you freely give your love and express your mm -hmm. feelings for people mm -hmm. that don't have that same sort of um, connection with their emotions and feel comfortable right. expressing them. They don't know yeah. what to do around you. And so, you know, I'm trying to like dim my light to make it more comfortable for them. And then in the process, I'm just feeling like in a bad way, like headaches, right. stomach aches, like just feeling uncomfortable because I'm not being true to myself. And I found that that is the only way I can be. I don't want to like flip a switch to make someone else feel good because no, I should just be able to get to be me and you should be able to just get to be you. And everyone's cool with everyone like vibrating at the frequency that they're at, but you shouldn't have to conform to make other people feel good. That's it's, it's so true. And you, you said the key word vibrating because vibrationally we're truly a unit, whether people, uh, you know, abide by subdivisions of humanity or of who they identify with or who they accept or who they believe is better than the next uh, group or individual or person with a specific lifestyle or belief system, we vibrate as a unit. And the truth is when we dim our lights, unfortunately what happens in that process is those who we have sort of been destined to be impactful to, uh, our sphere of influence, they also lose an opportunity. So it's, it's imperative that in this journey of self um, you know, discovery as a, a means of self-recovery that we abide by our truth because it really gives people the permission to shine their light as well. And it may be uncomfortable in the beginning, just like anything. And we all 
have had that experience where you get really uncomfortable with certain things that you've never done before, but you have to not only get the exposure, but then also get the traction before you become familiar. And unfamiliarity can be very uncomfortable for a lot of reasons. So in those kinds of situations, I tend to make sure that I extend that, that hand of acceptance to someone and also be as soft as possible in, in receiving them into the space where I am to let them know that they're welcome so long as they bring vibes <laughs> or I, I welcome them as they are, but I, you know, I make sure that those, those sort of shaky vibes that don't promote a, you know, a conducive environment, you know, aren't allowed through the gates. <laughs> so I have this, um, this kind of, I was, when I was talking to Amy about this, I was talking a little bit about emotional intelligence too, because mm -hmm. I think that people look at IQ and, and they think, okay, that's what intelligence is and uh, sort of more like rational, reasonable intelligence. I can, I can think my way through this, but, but what's sort of been, I, I think women tend to be more in touch with this than men, you know, cause women just kind of tend to be more in touch with their emotions. Mm -hmm. So they generally have a higher emotional intelligence than men. Men mm -hmm. tend to think, you know, think their way through it. And it's math and it's, I'm going to be, I'm going to ration, rationalize my way through this. And mm -hmm. that's where they make their decisions too. It's like really kind of clear cut. And so right. what I was telling Amy is I was like, you know, you are a rock star when it comes to emotional intelligence. I mean, there's people who are like, you know, pretty emotionally intelligent. But Amy's so in touch with like everything she's feeling outside, she picks up on, you know, energy in, in a room and other people's energies and her own energies. And it's just like sometimes really raw for her. Mm -hmm. But when you're around people who cannot or are not used to doing that, haven't built up that skill set in their, you know, in their lifetime, that's where I feel like people start, you know, are like kind of uncomfortable because they don't know how to relate someone who's just kind of emotionally intelligent and, and leads with, um, emotion also has the IQ, but really leads with emotion. That right. can be uncomfortable for people who don't lead with emotion, who are just like, I lead with thought and IQ and rationalizations. And mm -hmm. that's where I feel like, you know, sometimes people um, butt heads a little bit because one person's talking one language, another person's talking another language, and they both just can't connect. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And I, I, it's really important to observe the the natural relationship of um, different parts that produce a whole balance. And I personally believe through personal experience that women do have uh, an innate uh, elevated ability to um, sort of you know, operate out of an emotional intelligence and men tend to lean on the very mental side and the balance is in between, you know, having a, a good uh, amount of emotional intelligence and, you know, allowing that mental intelligence, you know, to, to be in the fold, but not to make this, you know, super philosophical about society, but I believe that most of us have, have had the experience where we realize we don't live in a society where educationally, whether it's public school, private school, that some of the foundational pillars of life are a focus. You know, the, the principles that we could abide by in order to connect 
better as human beings, they're not really the focus in school. You know, they're not subjects of focus. They're not mm-hmm. I- ideas that we 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 study. So the emotional intelligence is very important because it's like the foundation of you know human connection, just as much as mental intelligence is. So you know, approaching again people from the understanding when you have the emotional intelligence of the fact that they may not have been exposed to that because we don't even live in a society that supports teaching emotional intelligence or that observes its significance. It's like, if you have it, you have to keep in mind that it's not something that people may have been exposed to um, and that's common. So you extend that, that empathy and that patience in working with people because you know that they may be in a space that's raw. And um, of course, you know, this is a, you know, a continuation of the, the conversation, but if you haven't reconciled a lot of matters in your life that impact your emotions, then it's very hard to find a balance in your emotional intelligence. Yeah, I think that's so, so true. And, you know, what I, what I was thinking about is, you know, if you think about life, just the meaning of life, your happiness, your joy is really dependent upon how deeply you connect with other people or other things. It could be animals, you know, the earth, whatever it is, but it's right. the, the quality and depth of those connections are what really matter in terms of how meaningful your life is, you know? And that's mm-hmm. why, you know, having kids is like brings so much meaning to your life because you connect with them on such a deep level, having a partner, you know, it's, it just, it ups the ante in terms of what you've experienced in life in terms of depth of connection. So that's why I think, this is so interesting because if you meet somebody and you can't connect with them, it's really valuable to know like, well, why am I not connecting with this person? What's, what's the hurdle here to really be able to connect with them? Why aren't they connecting with me? And I think if you just even understand these concepts, well, maybe they're leading more from an emotional intelligent place, or maybe they're just leading from a, a rational thought based place that helps you to kind of understand here's how I need to relate to them. Um, right. and, and then also like, well, that's why I think you're so fascinating is because your approach to these problems is really unique. Like, can you just explain a little bit like how you approach, you know, when you re- when you are trying to connect with somebody, how you approach it? Well, I think the, the most important aspect of connecting with someone is allowing them to introduce themselves in their nature, an unimpeded environment where they can be comfortable to just flow freely, whatever that means uh, for who they are or how you will perceive them. But in order to uh, maintain a position of support that will be effective in connecting with someone, you have to meet them exactly where they are. So whenever I meet someone or whenever I'm working with someone, my goal of support is to allow them to introduce themselves to me in the most organic way possible. There will be uh, times where I'm probably more quiet so that they have more time to speak or they have more time to act. And in a way that's unimpeded when I see that they're kind of pouring out because sometimes you meet people and they kind of want to pour themselves out. It could be out of nervousness. It could be out of um, you know, an anxiousness or, an, you know, an excitement, but we need to experience that in order to get a, a feel for who it is that we're trying to connect to. And also 
where or from which angle in our positioning of support that we need to focus. Because some folks may be very confident, some may not be so confident, you know, some may uh, need a lot of uh, affirmation uh, in their connection to you, and you need to be aware of that. So I, I believe what's most important is first to remind yourself that you have a goal to be supportive and to be patient in learning how to best support someone. And that's often very possible by giving them time to introduce themselves so that you're not leaning so heavily on your, your perception of them. Give them a chance to introduce you to who they are, and then you work with that very patiently in order to, um, to best connect with them. I love it. That's a, that's a great point, um, Chris, Sean, and giving people that space to just show up and be who they are and to support whoever is there to meet you um, mm -hmm. is definitely a beautiful thing. Not, not a lot of people do that because I think most people are just waiting to say the next thing that they want mm -hmm. to say and they're not actually listening and in a space of like wanting to receive the other person's message. Right. So being able to do that and create that space where people feel safe to be authentically who they are um, is something that I think most of us need to work on and, and realizing that, you know, the world isn't revolving around us, but that, you know, we're a small speck in this beautiful, magnificent universe. And so making that time and space for others just enriches all of our lives. It takes a lot of, um, it takes a lot of maturity and I think a lot of security in yourself to just be with somebody and not feel like you got to like throw up on them. And just like, right. you know, <laughs> oh, oh, God, let me impress this person. Let me be funny. Uh, you know, there's a there's a, a second of awkwardness. Let me fill it with my junk. It, it's more like, uh, I'm OK. I can just sit here and, you know, I can let this person be and then I can be. And having that space, I think, is a is a beautiful idea. But you just have to. I, I And I think this goes back to something we've said before. We talked about at lunch and you're hinting at now, which is um, people kind of have to do the work on themselves one of the most fundamental flaws of our culture, and it actually kind of makes me angry, um, is that in school, like nothing, nothing like this is ever taught. You know, people aren't taught just as a, as a, as a fundamental right to, to understand how their mind works, how their emotions work, how to go in and kind of heal traumas how to connect on an emotional level, on an IQ level with other people, how to develop deep bonds. You know, we're taught math, English, critical thinking, uh, critical mm -hmm. writing, uh, science. And I'm not saying that's that's wrong. I just think it's crazy that like that part is dealt with. You're, you're given those kind of skills and then go out to life, you know, go figure it out. And that's why you see like really successful attorneys or really successful doctors are absolutely miserable because mm -hmm. they don't have the life skills to, to be happy. They don't understand any of the stuff. So it doesn't matter how much money you accumulate, how much fame you accumulate. You are ugly on the inside because you have never been taught. And I'm not even blaming. It's not, it's not their fault. We don't, right. as a society, value this enough to say, you know what, we're going to teach our kids this from, you know, a very early age. So they have the skill set yeah. to kind of 
journey in, watch themselves, learn from themselves. I mean, you look at Native Americans, right? One of the most fundamental uh, journeys they had to go through to become an adult is do a vision quest, which you go mm -hmm. out for whatever it is, four days and four nights or however long it is. And you just sit there and you just go in and you don't eat, you drink water and that's it. You don't sleep for days mm -hmm. until you, that life's purpose kind of is like blessed on you or whatever you uncover it. Um, we don't have anything like that. We just, you know, go around, you know, bob around, figure it out, maybe go to college, try some classes, you know, tr try some different jobs. And you'll, you'll get there. You'll figure it out. And it's all bullshit. Like you just, this should be taught as a matter of course to everybody. And I think mm -hmm. that was to Chris's point, you know, at the top of the show that people just aren't equipped with the skills that they need to deal with themselves. And it's exactly what you're saying as well, Scott, that we're, we're failing kids because we're not teaching them the most fundamental life skills to be successful as a human, yeah. you know, like right. studying radio and television, broadcasting in college, learning that Marconi invented the radio wave. Like that fact has not done anything for me in this <laughs> life. Well, you're, I, you're probably doing it wrong. But you know what I mean? I, I, I wish that they said, here's how you deal with guys who are trying to sexually harass you yeah. on the job as a radio host. Right. Here's how you right. deal with asking for your worth and negotiating a good salary. Here's how you support yourself financially when you're trying to make ends meet and deal with college debt. Like none of these things came up in my broadcasting career class. But, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's all these like insignificant pieces of information that we're told to like memorize and then regurgitate that don't serve us, but it's all the heart centered stuff that we're missing. And unless you're raised in a home, you know, by people who care about that enough for their own journeys and to impart that on you, it often takes us until, you know, we're in our thirties or forties to have that light bulb moment when we say, Oh my gosh, I, I think I do need to dive deep in myself. Or in the case of your friend's doing. mom who was 80 yeah. or, or they never resolved mm -hmm. it. You yeah. know, I mean, it, right. It's it's crazy, it's crazy, and 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 I know you know you have this beautiful way of, of of as you had mentioned, like when you do meet someone who has these issues going on, you show that patience, and that's beautiful. Um, but you know most people don't have that, so it's just trauma meeting trauma, and you know people yeah. like just showing each other their traumas, completely oblivious that they're even doing that. And then they don't connect on any kind of level and there's friction uh, or their relationships are super surface level because, mm -hmm. you know, one person is on this level, another person's on that level. And it's like, doesn't work out. They don't even know why. Well, it's hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. So if you've mm -hmm. got a society of hurt people running around, just hurting people, Which we are. that's, that's the result. You know, you're stuck in this perpetual cycle, but people that love themselves go out and love other people. So Very if we- true. If we spent time doing the work to love ourselves and then vibrate on this frequency of love, then everyone else can't help but to feel that love within themselves and the love around them. And you can feel the energy in the room change. You know, it's like if you have a shitty day and you're really stressed out, but there's that person that comes in and they just radiate this love and this light and they're so happy and they come give you that hug like that hug can change your whole day and, and the yeah. way that you see the world because someone literally just took the love inside of them and they shared it with you. 
And I, I've seen that transformational power of love in my life. Like I, I know some people think it's like, woo woo, but I really believe that love is the most powerful force in the universe. And this is, is probably the, the 10th time that I've said it on the show. And I will probably say it every episode because I want, I want people to hear it and, and believe it because I feel like it's not, it's not said enough. You know, and once you experience how the self-love can evolve you and how you can then share that beautiful love with other people, man, things just like change in the most amazing ways. And and there are about four things that were uh, four topics or four ideas that were touched upon that I like have to respond to because you you two just dropped so many gems that I got to get in on this. It's like watching a, a a good a good match in any sport going on. You like you just you want to get in there because you're like oh no you're not doing this without me. So <laughs> let's volley, baby. Let's volley. <laughs> let's go because <laughs> I see Scott's uh, talent is poking the bear. I'm like, I'm like, you're, you're going to make something up in me on this show. <laughs> That's awesome. I totally so, poked a bear. I poked a bear daily. I don't so even know that I'm doing it, but I'm always like needling. I'm needling around. It's your gift. It's a gift. Thank it's a gift. But again, that is authentically I don't know you if it's a gift with Amy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Amy, Amy is, is spectacular enough that even if you don't think that you're getting the best reaction out of her, she's good. It's she look, she's is she not sitting next to you? Yeah, she she's is. fine. She's yeah. fine. Yeah. She's so, me. You don't see her punching me and kicking yeah, exactly. me though. But kicking and pinching. <laughs> so the no. so one, self-love is so significant in learning how to love other people. And how to, it's critical in understanding others. Self, loving self and understanding self is really the, the heavy lifting that will teach you, uh, you know, so many of the things that you believe you have to go all of these, you know, squiggly roads to figure out about others. Two, you talked about people with trauma meeting where they have an opportunity to introduce themselves and one another for it to be fruitful uh, and for them to have an experience that feels more positive than the idea of negative. But what happens is, and I've, I've talked to a friend about this, in, in conversation, they call it, uh, two people will meet. And very often you'll realize that we talk to people who haven't been taught how to listen. And people are really just waiting for their opportunity to be heard. And sometimes they say something of significance to you or of significance to the context of your dialogue or the dialogue you thought you were having until you realize you were kind of alone because the person, they react, not respond, they react with going in a completely different direction. And you're like, did you hear anything that I said? I mean, you didn't respond to anything that I just said to you. And I said some pretty important stuff. Um, so that that often happens with people and it can be one person being nervous, so they have to keep talking. It can be another person asserting their idea of confidence. So they, they wanna feel bold because they've felt reduced in the past, so they have to take control of the conversation. So you have two people just vomiting all over each other. Nothing's really happening, but a display of two 
highly unreconciled people in a space that is a very unhealthy environment for both of them. Then you also, Scott, mentioned, and I want to get this right, because I'm trying to comb back through all of this great stuff that, that we just talked about. You mentioned, and I also, I'm also a, bit, a big advocate in giving yourself the time that you need to formulate thought. Very often, people feel like they have to rush through what they need to say or what they want to say, or they don't feel like it's okay to have a moment of pause to consider what they need to say. Even if it's you know just kind of drawing back to say, wait a minute, there was something that you said, and I want to speak to that. We've become so heavily programmed. See, naturally just comes out. Programming. The reason why we don't experience the support that we truly need as human beings in school is because school is a program. School is not a free flow, it's a program. I personally, and I've talked to so many of my friends about this over the years, I feel that one of and the most foundational lesson or class carved out in a, a school curriculum needs to be self-discovery. We need to learn about ourselves. We need to learn about our humanity. We need to learn about our health beyond, you know, the you know the idea of a of a health class. We need to learn how the body really works, the relationship that it really has with food. All of these things are what are going to bring us to an optimal ability because your health is your wealth. So if you don't know who you are, if you don't know who you are and that gives you the opportunity to learn other people so that you can be a better singular um, you know, piece of the unit, how can you contribute your best? And I've always had that issue with school and I might as well admit it here, between my senior and junior year, I was suspended 21 times. And wow. the reason why I was suspended was because um, never for fighting. It was always because I was considered a habitual offender against the program in school. I didn't, I didn't respond the way they were used to students responding to directives, to, you know, teachers not so great day, which they're allowed to have, but they're not allowed to abuse me in the process. Um, and there was just a lot of, a lot of uh, misplaced, there were so many misplaced ideas in the way that they ran the school. And I just was a kid that I'm like, I'm not here for it. You can do whatever you want and I'm going to respond the way that makes sense. So if you're being abusive, I'm going to let you know you're being abusive. If you're being unfair, I'm going to let you know that you're being unfair. If what you said makes absolutely no sense, I'm going to try and discuss making sense of it with you. And they felt overly challenged by me because I was a kid that would raise my hand, pose the difficult question for an adult to answer, you know, in front of a, a class of teenagers or adolescents. And, you know, I, I became, you know, that guy, even though most of my teachers and administration love me, I was just very hard to deal with because I didn't take all of this, this um, programming laying down. I was like, this just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm sorry. 
This is what you're going to get. And of course, I also had an expulsion hearing. That's how bad it was. And I'd never gotten a fight in school. I, I love that, Chris Sean. Like, I would wear those suspensions with a badge of honor because you were yep. just like, look, I'm curious about the world. And if you're going to say some shit to me that doesn't make sense just because you're a few years older, I'm going to challenge it. And I think that that rebel spirit is part of what makes you who you are. It's one of your mm -hmm. best qualities. And I love that you were just out there, like, challenging the status quo. Like, Scott and I, you know, that's our hope for our kids, right? Like do the things to keep yourself healthy and safe, and safe. but challenge yes. the status quo. Like don't just accept stuff because we told you, ask the tough questions, it. challenge us as your parents. Like we're not afraid mm -hmm. of that. We welcome that. And it's so special to hear that, you know, as a young kid, you were doing that and you, you had the courage to like stand up to the program, as you said, you know, and say like, no, it's not working for well, me. Well, it's because schools we were talking about is like a product line. You have to right. you have to get a kid from A to Z uh, on test scores. Like you have to, they have to, you know. And the, the higher the test scores are, the the certainly in the public system, uh, the more funding you're going to get. Yeah. You might get mm -hmm. other programs. You you know, it just it it's ba it, it it is what your success as a school is based on is those scores. Now, obviously. All the things in between that are completely missed. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're on a product line. We have to teach you this lesson in math today. We have to teach you this mm -hmm. lesson in science today. I have 35 or 40 minutes to do it. If there's somebody in the class who's asking a question that is not completely based on this lesson, I have to teach you so you can get a better score on that test. It is a complete and utter distraction, waste of time, and it's negative. Forget Pipe about down. the fact. For, forget <laughs> about the fact that um, this is supposed to be education and a school where you're meant to learn and yeah. question. And really, in my opinion, the whole point of school. No one remembers any of the dumb fucking facts that they make you memorize and the history. None of it matters. The only thing that you should walk away from school, even as it's set up right now, is that mm -hmm. you should be able to learn. You you learn how to learn. So I can go pick up a book or I can go take a job or whatever. And I can, even if I don't know that skill exactly, I can pick it up. I can learn it. I can read about it. I can think critically about it. That is the apex of what schools today are supposed to teach you. They're programmatically right. teaching you. You can now go out on your own and you can do these things. It, they don't do it very well, but that's it. But it leaves no room for anybody like you who maybe just questions the program or questions the, the lesson or questions this or questions. It's just not, there's no time for it. And that is the fundamental flaw with school that, mm -hmm. you know, half of it could be that we're going to teach you how to think critically. Great. Wonderful. But the other half needs to be, and now we're going to question everything. And like you said, which I think is beautiful is self-discovery. Mm -hmm. And we're going to, teach you about yourself and give you the human skills you need to succeed. Then we're going to give you these critical skills that you need to succeed. But with you, you need both. You really, really right. need both. Schools should be teaching you to find yourself. And instead, they're pushing you to abandon yourself. And I think that is an absolutely beautiful way to think about it. That, you know, it's one thing. It's bad enough that it happened to you in school. And I think we all know that that happened to us, if we're honest. Yeah. So finally get out of school, uh, forget all that and find yourself.
and stop mm-hmm. abandoning yourself. Don't let your job force you to abandon yourself. Don't let your personal relationships force you to abandon yourself. As Amy said in the beginning, I think this is really like this whole episode is, is encapsulated in this thought. Go find yourself and yep. do not let things occur in your life. Do not let people in your life. Do not let your your life, uh, what you do in your life, uh, never let something happen where you ha- are forced to abandon yourself. If something is forcing you to abandon yourself, it's wrong. And yep. you have to understand that. And, and, and that's, and it goes back to what we're talking about with people. You know, when you, if you're, if you're connecting with someone on a deep level, it's most likely because you found them and, mm-hmm. and ideally they found you and you see each other on a deeper level. And that's, that's mm-hmm. what it's all about. So I don't know. To me, that's like, wow, when you were young, we were forced to abandon yourself because school programmatically drills it out of you. And, you know, when you get older, that's what you're used to now. You're used to telling a, having a boss tell you, you know, treat you like shit um, because yep. your teacher treated you like shit. And so that's just the way life is. No, life isn't meant to be like that. Um, they're forcing you to abandon yourself, recognize that find something where you can find yourself. So I don't know, to me, that's, mm-hmm. that's what everything, you know, it all comes down to kind of that. I, I hate to simplify it because it's way deeper mm-hmm. than that. But in essence, it, that's what true. we're saying. Are you still wiping your butt with all that toilet paper you hoarded last year? How's that going for you? Let me introduce you to a new way to clean after you handle your business. Meet Hello Tushy. Tushy is the modern bidet that easily clips to any toilet and installs in just 10 minutes. Starting at just $99, Tushy sprays a precise stream of clean water and washes away all of that literal crap that toilet paper leaves behind. Upgrade your bathroom experience by going to hellotushy, T-U-S-H-Y dot com. That's hellotushy.com. Tushy saves the environment and reduces your carbon butt print. Tushy saves you money on toilet paper and Tushy saves your butt. Go to hellotushy. That's T-U-S-H-Y dot com. Stop wiping, start washing with Tushy. This Saves Lives is a ridiculously delicious food brand that gives back. Every single purchase sends life-saving food to a child in need. Co-founders Kristen Bell, Ryan Devlin, Todd Grinnell, and Ravi Patel launched This Saves Lives with a simple motto. Buy a bar, feed a child, we eat together. Now with more than just bars, their products contain premium ingredients and are non-GMO, gluten-free, and kosher dairy. Their unique line of kids' products all contain one full serving of fruits and vegetables and are safe for school. To buy their ridiculously delicious snacks, head on over to thissaveslives.com. For over a decade, lifestyle brand Half United has been using fashion to feed people all over the world. To break the cycle of generational poverty, the community provides gainful employment to local artisans in vulnerable communities who create their handmade and sustainable products. For every Half United product purchase, seven meals are given to a child in need. Half United has donated over one million meals to date. Shop their beautiful jewelry, tees, handbags, and home accessories at halfunited.com and help fight global hunger. Say ciao to tradition and hello to your new favorite plant-based Italian bistro in Los Angeles, Brothers Meatballs. 
Brothers Meatballs was founded by brothers and food industry veterans Mauro and Sergio Corbia, who hail from the Isle of Sardinia, Italy. When they joined forces with second-generation Italian chef Mark Middleman, their self-proclaimed brother from another mother, the concept for Brothers Meatballs was born. Mauro was the founder and creator of Mauro's Cafe inside Fred Siegel, a long-standing LA hotspot. Dissatisfied with the amount of plant-based dining options, reminiscent of the home-cooked meals their mother once made, the brothers were determined to create a menu so delicious it would appeal to herbivores and omnivores alike. Inspired by the food mama so lovingly prepared for Sunday suppers, these meatballs are a modern take on a family classic. All menu items are 100% plant-based and made with mama's secret ingredient, love. Angelinos can order lunch and dinner Wednesday through Sunday at brothersmeatballs.com. So we went to Brothers Meatballs a few months ago and uh, during the pandemic, actually, and we were blown away by how good it was. It's tough sometimes. It's like if you eat plant-based to find food that is like that good, that yummy, filling, rich, hearty, hearty, like Italian subs that like have meatballs and like pesto and cheese. And they're just like gorgeous. I mean, it was so... I. I got three of them and I just but saved them. But he didn't them eat for them the, all in one no, day. No, no, I tried clarify. all three and then I would just save them for like two days because I just keep eating them. It's it's addictive. It's amazing. Uh, if you are in LA, whether you are vegan, vegetarian, meat eater, you should you got to go try this place. The subs there are insanely great. And then they also have like pastas, salads, like it's – Eggplant parm, um, you know, their their desserts are incredible. Yeah. This raspberry limoncello. Uh, we highly recommend everything. I mean, we drive sometimes an hour each way it's to true. pick up the food at Brothers Meatballs because it is that good. So everyone we've recommended it to um, has been so hyped on this place. So yeah. when you get a chance, check it out. Uh, it's in Mauro, Hollywood. Sergio, and Mark know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And they um, do something to it. I mean, it's like, you know, we can't do using, it at home. They're using impossible. I don't know what they're doing. The, it's incredible um, for the sandwiches. Uh, you know, we buy impossible. I, it doesn't taste anything like what we're making at home. I don't know how they season them or what kind of stuff they're doing to them, but it's I mean, a secret recipe. And I love Morrow told me it's crazy. It's mama's love. So it's, it's always else. about the love. It's not See? just, it's not just mama's love. There's something they're putting in it. Cause it is so addictive but and good did you see what i did there i brought it back to love i saw you it did that but i'm just saying it's even, more than love even if it's a plant-based meatball hoagie it all comes back to love right. so go check them out if you're if you're in southern california in LA, it's worth the drive you're and welcome if you're in hollywood you're lucky we have to switch gears for a moment because outside of all this beautiful spiritual work that you're doing not just diving deep within yourself but also helping others to do the same in their lives you also have this amazing and fascinating career as a creator and as a fashion designer. And you have the pleasure of dressing the one and only iconic Beyonce in one of your Christopher Sean uh, bow ties. So how did that come to be? Cause that's really special. You know, and I'm glad that I'm here with, you know, with some folks that I believe will really feel me on this because when you ask for a backstory, you got to be prepared for a backstory, but don't ask the question. 
And yeah. um, I don't mean that in terms of, you know, the, the duration of the answer, but just the significance of the backstory. Um, because there's an origin to how this happened. And, and it has a lot to do with me identifying something about self. So uh, it, the bow tie that she wore has quite a story behind it. And it got its name through that story. And that, that story was really a moment of self um, reflection where I had to look at what I was constantly doing in my life. And at that time I realized I kept having these visions and these ideas, but I wasn't producing any of them. And I said, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be here with all of these creative ideas and just moving from one cool thought to the next, something has to happen. And, you know, after I had produced, you know, these bow tie designs, there was this final bow tie that was supposed to be created in order to close off the collection because I knew I would just keep going. And it was aptly named Finale. And Finale's uh, role was to close the, the idea of this grand show um, in, in brilliant fashion. And I imagined the, the bow tie uh, being that closer in the same uh, regard that Valentino sends a red gown down the runway to, to signify the close of the show. And I used to work for Valentino. So that was sort of my ode to having worked for Valentino uh, when I was 21. And I said, so I need a grand show closer. I said, but a bow tie is so, it's so stiff. It needs life. What is life? said, life is like movement, it's reflection, it, it's presence. And I said, so this bow tie can't be like the others, though they were beautiful, they were embellished with crystals and hardware. So this one has to have movement. And that's when I envisioned a bow tie on the neck of a model. And I saw the chains swinging from side to side. And I envisioned a woman. The chains was uh, you know, swinging side to side as she walked. And I saw that on a black lacquered runway because, of course, you know, these Valentino fashion show videos that I was watching while I worked in the store, I, I really uh, connected with the, the couture videos. And Valentino at that time, uh, when I worked for them in about 2006 to 2007, there was like this very dark element in these deep tones to their, their couture shows. And that, that seemed to leave an impression on me. But um, I also realized that I had this love for flowers that I was ready to just express. It's like, okay, I'm a guy. I realized that I love flowers because I even got in trouble for picking them when I was a kid. So, you know, the flowers and the chains, you know, for the movement and the reflection of the hardware, it all came together. And I envisioned that, made the bow tie uh, as a commitment to no longer um, bypass these creative ideas. And it was called The Death of Dying Dreams, a piece that I wrote about the finale bow tie. I did that in 2010, probably in June. And in May of 2011, the bow tie by way of Beyonce's, you know, longtime uh, stylist, uh, Ty Hunter, uh, it ended up on Beyonce. It was something that I, that I, um, I passed to him as a gift uh, for himself. Never imagining that, you know, nine months later, just like a, con a conception at a birth, you know, yeah. um, you know, would would end up on Beyonce. But when it did, it was on it was for Oprah's 
you know, 25th uh, anniversary finale spectacular. So when the show came on, I sat in my room and I watched it from the bed and I cried. And I explained this in a Boston Globe interview that I didn't cry simply because it was Beyonce. I cried because it took me identifying myself and being comfortable with that, saying, hey, you know, I'm 20 something years old, you know, I'm a grown man by societal standards and here I am making all these little bow ties. People probably think I'm some kind of a weirdo, you know what I mean? Um, it took me accepting self and celebrating self to have a moment like that um, prove to me that there's something special carved out and set aside just for me. Had I not gone through that experience, I could not have it, had that moment. That moment was all about everything that came before it. So the um, the bow tie um, arrived in that way. I would have to say, you know, as philosophical as people may feel I always am or spiritual as people may always feel I am. Being present, you'll realize that there, there's a lot of vibration in, in all the steps in your life. And that is literally how the bow tie arrived to that moment. I had to accept a lot of things about self and, and really, you know, respond to it. And finale was, you know, the beginning of that for me. And I called it the death of dying dreams. And that was nearly a year before she wore it. It was named and, you know, it was, you know, I, I loved on it. It was my favorite tie that I'd ever made. And boom, it all made sense. Yeah, and I love how it all came full circle. The finale bow tie was in the Oprah finale. So you you manifested, you know, this by, as you said, learning to love and celebrate yourself and then put your creativity out there. And, mm -hmm. you know, someone who's a creative icon herself appreciated it enough right. to say, I want this to be a symbol of me and share it with the world. So that that's amazing. All right, we've got and one last question for you. Oh, yes, she wore she wore it well. She, she looked very fierce in your design. 100%. It became, it became an iconic moment in fashion, in music, in television. I said, look at the intersection. When you're yourself, you never know where you're going to end up. Yeah, well, she's she's amazing. She's one in a million. So yes, that was a beautiful collaboration. All right, we've got one last question for you, Chris Sean. What do you want your legacy to be? Mm. Having lived authentically enough to have learned what was stored inside of me. And, um, and that's the way that I want to be considered. That's the way that I want to be honored, um, remembered. That's the relationship that I want people to have with the idea of me being able to look at themselves and say, I believe that something beautiful uh, was done by God, by the universe and beautiful and complete enough that I have the natural license to explore that and to 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 be that as a as a means of becoming who I believe I'm, I'm destined to be. That it's was beautiful. really beautiful, Chris Sean. And I, I have to say, just from my standpoint, like I loved this conversation. Um, it was so you amazing. You just like light me up in the best way. I'm gonna be thinking about this, you know, for the rest of the week because it was so beautiful. And being reunited with you feels so good, you know, like the song, <laughs> one of my favorite R&B jams. Um, but you know, I, I'm so grateful to you for spending this time with Scott and I and 
sharing your pearls of wisdom and helping people find the tools to kind of unlock um, their greatness within themselves. So you are, you are just a magical being. And even like through the screen, you know, your, your love <laughs> vibrates, we can feel it. And I, I just love being around that energy here, but thank you for being um, with us today. This was just fabulous. Yeah, thank you. Hey everyone. Don't forget to subscribe to true heart, wherever podcasts are found. And if you want to watch the amazing show and see us with our guests, you can go subscribe over at YouTube. I mean, Scott, wow, right? Like, yeah. we're going to be talking about this conversation with Chris Sean for days. But like I said during the show, I think I take away from this one is just uh, don't ever do anything in your life or be around people who make you abandon yourself. Instead, be around people who help you go find yourself and, and just go find yourself on your own. But yeah, that and, is the key. And once you do find yourself, um, be true to yourself. Right. Honor who you guts. are. Don't and let anybody let me, you know, either force you or draw you into a situation where you don't feel comfortable. Be confident and secure. And I found myself and I'm going to be myself. Yeah. Shine your light bright. Chris Sean is definitely someone who does that. I My just... light is like a peach melba. I don't know what's your <laughs> um, I love Chris Sean's energy. I just think it's so beautiful and positive and filled with love and I'm just so happy because he's he's just leaving like this perma smile on my face. And this is how I feel like we should all go through life, you know, lighting ourselves up and lighting each other up. So yeah. thank you for tuning in today. And um, we're going to see you next week for another great episode. Yeah, thanks for hanging out. We'll see you soon. See you soon.